Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 130. Talk about building company culture with Jonathan Amen. Like many in the wedding and events industry, Jonathan's journey started in restaurants when he was just 15 years old, working for a local family-owned deli in Sonoma, California. During college, he and his wife started Common Sense Events, an event staffing firm serving companies who needed temporary staff in the SoCal area. Quickly realizing he had a passion for serving people in the wedding and events industry, Jonathan focused on growing the team by searching for and hiring the best people possible and focusing on training and company culture. What started as a small family operation quickly grew to almost 900 team members, serving caterers, wedding planners, venues, and private clients across Southern California. In 2018, Common Sense Events started managing one wedding venue in their local San Diego market. After the initial impact of COVID was felt and looking for a way to expand how they served the market, CSE's staffing operations were acquired by a national staffing firm and CSE Inc. pivoted to provide full-scale wedding event venue management services. Within the first nine months, they quickly grew to manage five venues throughout San Diego County. Jonathan is also the founder and host of the Venue RX podcast, where yours truly has been a guest, a YouTube channel and podcast dedicated to educating wedding and event pros around the world. Today, Jonathan is here to talk about how to build your company culture, which folks, we are in the middle of a wedding boom. If you haven't hired yet, it's only a matter of time. So go grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It's me, your girl. Renee Dallow. And this week, we are talking about building your company culture with my good friend, Jonathan Amen. Jonathan, how are you? What up, Renee? I am doing well. I'm so excited to be here. I've enjoyed listening to your podcast, and thanks. I feel completely honored to Aww. be on it. Well, thanks. I haven't seen your handsome mug since Wedding MBA. I know. It feels like it was a long time ago, but it actually was only like a couple months ago. And it feels like it's going to be here again in a couple months. I'm excited that we're all going to be back there together again. It does. It feels like it was a year ago, but it was like several weeks. Although the holiday season, like that whole thing between like Thanksgiving and the new year always feels alternately like five seconds or five years. Who knows? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Depending on what you have going on. And yeah, it could either be just the longest thing or the, the <laughs> quickest thing. It could be a blink. Well, you have a ton going on. But but before we get to all that, I want you to tell the listeners who don't know you, uh, why is building company culture so important to you? Like, tell us how you got to this place. I got to it by accident. and <laughs> Like all why. great things. <laughs> exactly, right? And I'll tell you why, you know, it's because I have a firm belief that everyone needs to always be hiring. I, I think that we need to be building our companies up or our hobbies up or whatever it is uh, to the place that it will allow us to focus on what we are best at, what we can give to the world. And when you do that, when you're an entrepreneur, you have got to outsource and so the accidental part of company culture is once you start outsourcing, once you start hiring, now you have employees or you have contractors. And with employees or contractors or other human beings that you're going to work with, if you don't intentionally create culture, the culture will develop itself and you'll be left with whatever that is. And it probably won't be what you want or what you intended. I mean, I think we've all experienced that on some level in some job over over the course of our lives, right? Like... I was thinking, you said that I used to work in this restaurant in New York City um, that was at Rockefeller Center. It was like a very high volume restaurant. And we had a horrible head chef. Like he was just a mean, mean, mean person. And at the beginning, we didn't know that, right? We just were like all excited to be on this journey together. And then the more we worked with him, the more I saw his personality like seep into the personalities of everyone in the kitchen. And then the kitchen was upset. So the managers were upset. And if the managers were upset, then the wait staff would be upset. And by the end, it just became kind of a toxic place to work. And I didn't know it then because I was 19 years old, but I was, I think of it now. And I think that's, um, to me, such an example of like leading from the top down. And he did create a company culture, right? He created a toxic one. So it, it can go both ways, obviously, if he had, if he had chosen a different path, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I love that we, we both are kindred spirits and that we both worked hospitality and, you know, so there's. There's so much. And I think for anyone who knows working in a restaurant, you know that generally it's whatever the lowest common denominator is, right? That kind of sets the culture. Because as a leader, you really have to push back against the negative culture if, if, you know, you don't want it to exist. And a lot of times that takes a fair amount of bravery, I think, and courage to kind of say, hey, no, we're not going to do things like that. We're going to reframe it you know, and you're doing it at the risk of kind of being labeled a, you know, goody two shoes if you're not the boss. And (laughs) if you are the boss, just like kind of having someone roll their eyes at you and say, oh, well, you know, that's sure. That's what we'll do when you're around. And we're going to do something different when you're not. How much, how much of the company culture do you think is accomplished in like the hiring, like the hiring the right people, right? Because like, I know if we're going to go back to this restaurant, you know, scenario, it's like, I know that some of the people I worked with were negative Nancy's no matter what, right? We could have had the best shift with the best, with the best chef and the best managers and everyone would have been sunshine and rainbows. And that one guy would have been like, yeah, but this isn't still what I want. You know what I mean? Like, so how much of that is accomplished in just the hiring, do you think? I think so much of it is accomplished in the hiring. I think you can kind of take, I think you can cut your workload in defining culture in half, at least if you hire the right people. If the people come to you already with that right mindset, with that right worldview, uh, you know, culture to me, it kind of sounds like this, you know, airy fairy thing when we talk about something that, you know, you see on a corporate corporate plaque or something like that. But really culture is the set of priorities that an organization has and how those priorities and values play out on a day-to-day basis because 
If you don't think about culture like that, there is this divide that happens between what corporate says culture is and what the <laughs> right. owner of the business says culture is, right? And what the culture actually is. Right. Because it's not just the mission statement, right? Because that's very nice and you should have one. But if you don't act in accordance with that, then it's basically, it's very hollow. Mm -hmm. Yep. A hundred percent. We actually um, are, are talking about this throughout our company as well, because we manage wedding and event venues now. And we also manage tasting rooms because two of the properties that we manage have wineries on them. And each one of the properties that we manage has a subculture, you know, and it's very easy for me to define these beautiful platitudes like, you know, integrity and honesty. And I'm right. out here with this, tr these triumphant sounding things. And it's like, is that actually what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis? And well, that's the struggle, I think. Well, and how do you know, right? Like, how do you know if your mission statement is your company culture? I think that is such a good question. And I was thinking about that the other day because as a leader of any organization of any size, it's very easy to live in an echo chamber. And so I think as leaders, it's on us to actively be pursuing ways that we can hear objective and authentic viewpoints about actually what's happening in the company. And so whether that's you know hiring someone to do an audit of our uh, processes or inside the company or coming in and kind of like even secret shopping, you know, the team in a sense, you know, I think that is one way practical, one practical way to do it. But I think the other way is to be the type of person that other people feel comfortable being themselves around and to not punish them for being themselves if they're doing something that, you know, that you don't like, but just really having the level of humility and empathy to explain to them, you know, what you see that they're doing right, what you see that they're doing that you know, is leading the group away from what you hope the culture is. And, you know, then, then just have that discussion with them. But again, that takes a level of bravery and a level of courage that I think is, is tough and doesn't come natural to entrepreneurs, especially on their first or second run. I also think it takes a lot of emotional maturity. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think, um, <laughs> you know, I, in fact, I can definitely agree with that because I did not have that maturity in so many different instances. And I think it really takes understanding yourself and how you show up in your organization and where you need to be. And then just constantly being willing to, to check yourself and just say, Hey, like, am I, um, am I drinking my own Kool-Aid and am I, you know, <laughs> awesome and incredible all the time? Or do I have areas that I can do better in and just acknowledging yeah. those publicly, I think sets the tone when you're, when you are the leader, when you are the owner, when you're the boss and you're doing that, it sets the tone for everyone else. Yeah. And so many times on this on this podcast, so many different conversations I have with experts, you know, it always, not always, but it, it very often comes back to this idea that to be a successful entrepreneur, you really have to know yourself very well and be able to self-assess, as you said, and, and, you know, and, and own up to like, Hey, maybe I wasn't as emotionally mature as I should have been back then or, or in this one instance, but like, I find myself thinking the same thing. I mean, I've been at this for like 12 years now and 12 years ago, Renee would not have been able to say to my assistant, like, Hey, I, I really suck at that thing. I need you to hold me accountable for it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, and that is something that I think is, is very much a learned superpower. You know, I don't think leaders are, are born, you know, I think you can have someone who maybe has a tendency to be a little bit more, you know, have maybe some of the charisma or some of those things naturally, maybe, but yeah. good leaders 
really come from a place of empathy, come from a place of humility, come from a place of being a, a, you know, having a clear picture of what the future needs to look like and then being willing to push everyone in that direction. Yeah. What do you say to those listening? Cause I know there's a lot who are, you know, the first thing you said was like, let's always be hiring, which I know for some, especially my wedding planners out there is just like strikes fear into them. Right. Cause we're such control freaks. Um, <laughs> yeah. I yes. love you all. I love you all. And I am one of you, but yes, it's true. So what would you say to someone who's having a lot of resistance to the idea that not just being an entrepreneur is their job, but also a boss is their job? That is such a brilliant question. And I think that that's something that so many people face. That's something that my wife and I faced, you know, when we were building our staffing company here in Southern California and when it went to starting to send staff out into the field and it wasn't us representing our brand anymore. You know, and it's like, my goodness, we have to take responsibility for what these folks are doing out in the field. And that was a very scary thing. And you kind of just hope and pray that you don't get a call that someone, you know, did something dumb. But then you start realizing, wow, I really have a lot of control over this. I can give them nudges in the right direction. I can create a culture that has to be there and it has to be so thick. The culture has to be so thick and has to be so evident that anyone coming and working with us knows that this is the expectation. You know, it's not something you can show up in an employee handbook as much as it is like an overall air, an overall worldview, an overall set of values and priorities that we not only talk about, but we also demonstrate. So yeah, for anyone out there, for, for any of the planners that are listening this, to this right now, I have so much empathy for you because not only, you know, does something like, hey, always be hiring, that sounds like a lot of work, but yeah, you're dealing with so many different people who... Um, may do things not as well as you. And that is scary for a lot of us who are control freaks or not even control freaks, but someone who just has a very high standard for what excellence looks like. You have to be able to delegate and then you have to be willing to go back and have that coaching conversation. But the moment that you switch your mindset into, no one's going to do it as good as me, I, you know, I'm not going to be able to find anyone. The person that I'm looking for is a unicorn. You know, that mindset is going to sabotage you from the beginning. Oh, 100%. I also think too, when you said always be hiring, I thought about um, this DJ that I know. I mean, to be fair, he's way more than a DJ. He is like, he owns a gigantic DJ company here in Southern California. And he said something to me once, uh, we were at this event, this networking event that was like very educational based. And he was doing a little presentation about how he hires and trains his team. And he has a lot of DJs under his umbrella. And he said, I often uh, find people just in everyday life, like a really charismatic, charismatic server or a bartender or a Lyft driver, even he's like, if I like their personality, I can teach them to do what I need them to do. And I thought it was so interesting because I think oftentimes we wait for the circumstances in our business to be right in order to start looking for people. When if I think if we opened our eyes a little bit, we would see that maybe the right people are around us. We're just not thinking of them that way. Absolutely. I, and I love that you said that as well, because, you know, I have this thing that I, that I talk to people about, you know, create a hiring card. This is something that we did very early on in, in our staffing industry. And, you know, what we what we still do now is we're looking for people. We have a little hiring card and it's, you know, if we see someone doing an amazing job, whether they are a server, a bartender, a barista, a smoothie maker, someone at the tire shop, like whoever it happens to be. But we're noticing traits and things that we value as a part of our organization. We are 
going to give them a card or we're going to say hey and try to make a connection because you never know what happens as a result of that. You know, you have somebody who two months from now digs up that card at the bottom of their drawer, their junk drawer, right? As they're thinking about changing careers because they are not satisfied with the current one they're in. And they're like, wow, you know, I really connected with that person. And they give you a call and they turn out to be a total rock star for your organization. And so that, you know, is something that I really like. I also really, really like, um, you know, like you said, just having that level of awareness and looking for opportunities because chances are, you know, even if you don't end up hiring the person that you're talking to, that's one more person who is aware of what you and your organization do and one more person that you can possibly serve and maybe another client you can add. Absolutely. I've also had, you know, it's funny. I have two like ride or die assistants in my business and uh, people often ask me like, how did you find them? And I was like, well, one, like Christy has been my, one of my best friends for like literally 20 years. So that was a no brainer. But Kelsey literally emailed me after being a guest at a wedding that we planned back in like 2016. And she said, I watched you and your team work. Can I come work for you? And I was so, I've never, that had never happened to me before. It's happened a couple of times since, but I was so blown away by her moxie really to email me to say like, Hey, can I meet you? And I was like, yeah, let's go get coffee. And within five minutes of that conversation, I was like, I'll just book more business in order to hire this girl. Cause I was exactly. so blown away by her everything that I was like, no, I need you. Exactly. You know, yeah. I've noticed that culture and the way that someone executes their role is definitely caught. It's not taught. Right. Ooh, I and, like that. And, and it well, it's something it's, it's kind of funny. It's something I'm noticing in parenting too, because I can tell <laughs> my kids and I'm going on five kids, believe it or not. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. They're just jumping out of all the, the <laughs> cabinets at this point. Um, but, you know, I've noticed that I can, you know, say to my two sons, eight and six, I can say, Hey boys, stop fighting. Right. But then if I am kind of giving off the fighting energy to them, if I'm not trying to find ways to problem solve and help them problem solve, they're just going to turn back around and use the same tactics that I was trying to use on them against each other. And I, I find that happens in business too. You know, if you say to your team, hey, everyone, details matter. Hey, everyone, we expect everyone to be hardworking. Now I'm going to go to the bar or I'm going to go play around <laughs> the bar or now I'm going to yeah. do this. You there, you go get busy. You know, right. the, that doesn't set, and that's obviously a very obvious example, but you know, when you start thinking in terms of being a leader who serves your team versus hiring assistants and hiring other people around you to serve and support you, it is a total paradigm shift and you start realizing that the people around you just start picking that up and it gets caught. They catch you doing that and they start learning that way rather than, and, and that's basically more effective than any classroom training or culture and leadership seminar or, you know, any, any sort of education that you're ever going to give them. Yeah. I love that. So what do you think about someone who, um, hasn't really paid much attention to their company culture. And now they're think they're listening to us looking around going, you know what, this isn't really what I intended. Is there a way, or do you have any tips for someone to sort of reset a company culture if it's not going the way you wanted it to go? Resetting a company culture can be very painful because it may include letting some of your team go. And that is an unfortunate truth um, that I've experienced many times. And I've had firsthand experience with this because when we come in and start working with an organization, 
um, on our on our venue management side of things, they may have existing teams and existing employees, and in some cases, we even end up hiring those people on just to make the transition seamless. And what I found is those individuals who we bring on because they were not used to the existing culture, there's a choice. They either see the value and they're willing to be led and they're willing to grow, just like we come in with kind of an open heart to say, okay, what what things and systems and, and tools have you been using that we can take on? You know, they either have an open heart and they're willing to kind of start assimilating into our culture or they push back against it and they end up trying to kind of create their own mini subculture. And, you know, I, I wish, Renee, I could tell you that that I'm just so good at having this, you know, so good at doing this all the time, but this is a constant battle when you're working with people. There's a constant attention that is needed. And so I would bet that anyone listening to this right now, that there are ways that you can improve the culture because it is a daily job. It's a weekly job. It's something that consistency plays a role in. And I, I think that it's so important for us to kind of just always consider it kind of like fitness or eating healthy or something like that. You can't just take a wheatgrass or ginger shot or, you know, go to the doctor one time and expect to be healthy. It's like an overall program. It's an overall mindset. It's an overall viewpoint on life that you have to espouse to. Ain't that the truth? If, listen, if you could get healthy by just doing one Peloton ride, I would be the healthiest the person in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Hundred That's not true. I ride like every day, y'all. I don't don't send me emails. Um, what <laughs> well, do you Renee, think- I want to I actually add something to that. Too, yeah, of course. When we're defining, when we're redefining culture, I think what we have to do is, and I'll give everyone just a very practical tip out there. So this is not all like just mindset and, and motivation. Um, you know, take a piece of paper if you're if you're thinking about this. Take a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle. And then draw another line across that line off, you know, off the top, kind of like a cross, right? And on the left side, put all of the things that you would like your company to stand for. You know, maybe it's philanthropy, maybe it's integrity, maybe it's, you know, all of the amazing, glorious sounding words that in your mind, your company either currently exists to fulfill or fulfills or, you know, something that you, you hope that you're along that, that path for. And then look at your company, take an honest look at your company and say, okay, what things do you see happening? Is there entitlement? Is there negativity? Is there like, what's, what's actually going on? And how do you see that showing up in the day to day? And, you know, get off, take off your owner's goggles. Cause again, sometimes it's so easy for us to live in an echo chamber and try to get an inside picture. And you may have to ask your other employees and your other team members, because chances are your A performers have mentioned different areas that other people are slipping because it bugs them. But it's so easy with so many fires going on as a business owner that just to say, oh, yeah, 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 we're going to get to that later on. And it's not the most burning, raging fire, but it's a tiny, it's a tiny fire. One of my employees actually just uh, just in a meeting a, a couple of weeks ago said, I wish you could put on an invisibility cloak and see what's going on at this existing location that we have. Wow. And she said that and I was like, that is crazy because from my perspective, you know, I'm three layers of management deep right? at this specific property. And I really care about this stuff. It's stuff that I talk about all the time. So people know, and people are on notice about this, but still there will be people who come in and they have their own agenda. And that's not a yeah. problem. You know, they're, that they can run that agenda at another location. You know what I right. mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, and, and there are different locations that work good and there are different cultures that, that vibe with them and all of that. But 
you know, if you want to have a control over that, you need to do this audit. So yeah, left side, all the things that you want, right side, the things that are actually happening, and start working on one at a time. Don't get overwhelmed, but just take one at a time. And, you know, if it's hard work, if it's the work ethic that your team has, I would say look at yourself first. You know, are you not willing to do some things or are you actively showing your team that you're trying to get rid of all of the quote unquote menial tasks or are you willing to get in the details? And then from there, just work up. You know, if you're if you're setting an amazing example, then, you know, look at the people that you've put in charge if you have multiple layers of management in your company. And that's a really good way to start kind of the triage of revitalizing culture. Yeah, I love that. What do you think about so many workspaces now being virtual? I know, especially for a lot of my wedding companies, um, you know, I, I, well, even for me, like I have people that work for me that I've never actually met in person. How do you create a company culture when everyone's just on Zoom or Slack? I'm so glad you asked this, Renee. This is something that I've been, in fact, I need to create a bunch of YouTube content. And even on, on my podcast, The Venue RX, I need to like talk about this because I feel like this shift, there's so much of culture basically that I feel like happened when we were together accidentally. Yeah, I agreed. It, it was just like, we were rubbing shoulders, we were bumping elbows and it was, you know, we were talking some shit and then this is, you know, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, we started agreed. complaining and then we started bitching about, you know, Sue, who's not doing a good job. And then before you know it, everyone's talking shit behind everyone else's back. Right. And then and that just kind of crept in. Now, though, that may not happen as much, right? That may happen, but I think it shows up in different ways. So any any place where your team is meeting together, I think gives you as the leader an opportunity to see what's going on, right? And if you have a team, let's say you guys are having a meeting on Zoom or something like that, um, where you're connecting with other people, but then people are there texting back and forth or, you know, kind of rolling their eyes or, you know... Everyone is like nodding their head vehemently in the meeting. Oh, yes, I got it. But then there's no follow up on the back end. That starts to tell you that something's wrong. And it may not be that they're the wrong person, right? I'm not just saying you need to go on a, a firing spree. That's not what this is about at all. It's just really that you need to take an honest look at your organization. But I think looking at those places where there's the human to human contact, so whether that's Zoom meetings, Slack channels, a message, um, group messages, even if it's like a group chat on you know an iPhone or Android. Um, Maybe not if you're an Android and iPhone, <laughs> but, um, you know, those are opportunities for, for you to see. And then the culture can also be created and kind of pushed through by, I think, being more vocal. I think you have to be more overt and more vocal about what you want the culture to be. And anytime there is, again, communication, because that's where it's going to show up. You know, yeah. it's going to show up in communication. It's going to show up. I think it shows up in the way people dress on, you know, the Zoom, the Zoom yeah. meetings, I think. Like there are those levels um, of of culture building that, that happen, even in a remote workplace. And then again, I think on the follow-up side. So let's say that you are working, let's say that you're right now remote, your team's remote, and you're working with maybe an assistant planner or somebody like that who is in person, I think it is so important for the leadership to not assume that everything is just going perfectly and to also not assume that people are going to share with them when there's a problem. Like I practically am begging my team to tell me when there's something wrong because they think everyone else is like, oh yeah, just like, you know, he's the boss. Like 
oh yeah, it's great. And things went great. We love it. It's awesome. Things are good. This is all fine. Everything's good. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like what, if there's even 10% that we can do like 5%, no, not five. Okay. Give me 1%. And then people start to open up and then you realize the 1% they're talking about it for 10 minutes. And then someone else says, yeah, you know, I noticed that this person was sharing with you. And then there's a 30 minute phone call about their problem with it. And all of a sudden, wow, you've really identified a big issue, but it took that one person. You, it basically took you begging that one person to be honest enough with you and trust you enough with the information of whatever's going on in the company. Yeah. I also think in that, in that case, it's like you've created a culture in which it's okay for people to need help and not know the answer and have a problem and not have it be like, no, 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 everything's good. I'm good. I'm good. Because a lot of that in traditional workspaces, I think, you know, is probably over-indexed as a positive thing, right? Like, oh, well, so-and-so never has a problem. And it's like, well, that's actually, it's like a couple that never fights. Like, I, I worry about you, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. If, if, if everything's always perfect and it's like, oh, that isn't, tr- that can't be true. Yeah. One thing that that has, and I've seen that show up is, you know, my my wife and I, we like to work really, really hard. We like to you know, get stuff done. We like to be, you know, my wife is a very driven person. She helps me run the company. Uh, she doesn't, I'm, you know, between the two of us, I'm the one who kind of, you know, talks more and, and is more outgoing and she's a little bit more introverted and she's extremely capable, extremely capable. And I think there's a lot of extremely capable men and women listening to your show right now. And I think the danger with that is sometimes that gets in the way and our own feelings of capability and our own desire for excellence really gets in the way of us setting the example for our team that it's okay to ask for help, that we need to ask for help, that, you know, you don't have to have all the answers. You still have to get the work done and like accomplish things. You want to make progress, but you don't have to be this, you know, island, this silent, confident island that just is always right and never gets things wrong and is never late. Like there's really some power in being authentic, being human, and then also getting your stuff done. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. How do you feel about um, incentivizing the team, right? Like I know in various groups that I'm in of, of like course creators or entrepreneurs, like, you know, people will be like, here's a Starbucks card for you this week. And everyone freaks out and runs to Starbucks. Like, are those gestures part of the culture? Do you think they try to replace the, like, is that like the absence of culture? We'll just buy it a gift. Like, how do you feel about all that? You know, I think that that's where too many companies start. I, I think that culture, you know, I was, I was actually talking about this recently and culture kind of in my mind was the slides and the Google, you know, um, open concept workplaces and the beautiful campuses and all of, all of the perks, I guess. Right. And I think that that is a backwards way to think about culture because I don't think culture starts with that. And I don't think culture ends with that. I think that is, those are definitely perks and those are definitely, you know, awesome components of a job and of a workplace. But I don't think that those in and of themselves create a culture because I, I think if anything, there could be a sense of creating even some entitlement out of that. Sure. Yeah, I see that. Or I and also- a dark side of that maybe. Yeah. And I also feel like sometimes it's just a band aid, right? Like here, take a Starbucks, but I'm but I'm not going to communicate appropriately with you. And I'm going to make you work double hard today because I didn't get my work done. Right. <laughs> so it's like, this coffee kind of that, doesn't make up for it. Right. <laughs> it's Exactly. It's kind of that like, well, don't you like the ping pong table that's in the thing? Meanwhile, 
your boss is just like completely harassing you. you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, You're like, keep the ping pong table. Answer my emails on time. How about that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like give me the thing, give me the tools that I need to do my job. Like get out of my way so I can succeed for the company. And that would be a heck of a lot better than, you know, a 15 cent raise or a ping pong table or a little, you know, juice bar or something like that. Because the other thing that I've noticed, and this is from talking with a lot of folks who work in different corporate settings, they have all of the fancy stuff, the smoothie bars and all the different things. And, and, you know, we've been privileged to work on the staffing side for a lot of great organizations when they do their company parties and things like that. And they do have some of these awesome perks, but you end up seeing as you talk to some of the people that sometimes maybe the only reason that they're there is because of the perks. Oh, really? Yeah. It's crazy to me. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's the the thought the the thought process is like, well, I make the roughly the same amount as you, and I'm miserable. But they do give me smoothies, and I do get you know <laughs> this and that. We have a company happy hour that's paid for, and we have some of these other things. Yeah. So it kind of acts like you said as a band aid for some of the other bad behavior that's going on. Yeah, it's funny. My husband and I always laugh because you know he works. Um, he's art department. And he works on. He's always on sets and. Uh, Oftentimes at the end of a, of a production, like someone on the production team, usually an actor or one of the producers will get like some special food truck at the end of the run to like, thank everybody. And the, we always make the joke because he'll come home and I'll be like, oh, you know, what do you want for dinner? And he's like, no, they had a food truck today. It was like, we ate so much. And I'm like, oh, what happened? Because it's <laughs> like the food truck is always some like, oh, I, we're so sorry. This has been so difficult for you. Sort of apology. It's an apology food truck, basically. Yeah. Apology food yeah. truck. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. We don't need any apology food trucks in our, in our, in our creative businesses. I don't think. Because yeah. it, it's always like cold comfort, right? I, like he'll come home and I'll be like, well, what was it? And he's like, it was chicken and waffles. I was like, was it good enough to make up for the 15 hour days you just worked six days in a row? And he's like, nah. I'm like, it never is. Right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And that's where that's where we're seeing, you know, you, you see head, news headlines talking about the great resignation and you see all these, you know, everyone's hiring and you see all these different things. And I think the workforce has really, as there's been the transition into the, you know, millennial workforce and even, even beyond that, there is a prioritization there behind a good work environment, not just perks. And I think there was a wave of time that corporations were just like, Oh, sweet. Let's just make sure that everyone has a ping pong table and a juice bar. It'll be good. <laughs> right. And I think, too, because of the this ongoing pandemic that, you know, persists, I think after that year, at least in California, that we spent at home, like people don't want to work themselves to death anymore. For what, you know, to what end are we doing that to ourselves? And it's like, I even found myself, this is sort of a tangent, but I used to be at my desk all day, at least the days that I was working from home pre-pandemic. And then I would make dinner, spend time with my husband. And then I'd get back on my computer from like eight o'clock to like midnight. Like I would work from the couch on my laptop every single night. And during the pandemic, I had no reason to do that because there wasn't enough going on to warrant that. And I found myself the other night having that um, sort of like a muscle memory of that, of that, you know, workflow and being like, oh, I haven't been on my computer at night lately. Maybe I should start that again. Maybe I should start that again is what I said to myself as instead of, Hey, remember when we used to do that? That was bananas. <laughs> so, wow. you know, it's yeah. almost 
the reflexive thumb reach to the Instagram icon. Yes, yes. Right. I and you know, part of this podcast is I'm always going to tell the truth, right? Even if it's even if it's messy. And I feel like that was one of those messy moments where I was like, "Oh my, there's a part of my brain that still that goes back to 2019. It's like as if that were normal when it in fact was not normal, right?" Yeah. You know, Renee, you talk about the truth even when it's messy, and I just I love that concept so much. And I think another piece of the puzzle here what you're talking about is not looking not being a guardian of our own time enough and when we end up just you know spending our time on anything it doesn't really get as valued as it should be we end up inevitably running out of time and constantly in this kind of stress and triage mode and recently I have been integrating more uh, working out into my routine, which I never really did before because I told mm-hmm. myself I was too busy. Same. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, and you tell yourself these things. And then when you make a decision to do something and add something in, whether it's going to a Pilates class or whether it's, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you find that life kind of makes way for it. And then you later on end up looking back and saying, like, how, where did all this extra time come from? Right. And I think that's what you're really describing as well. Like you, you probably have been just as effective, right? You've probably yeah. grown your business. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to work at night, but there was a part of my brain that thought I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it, it's wild. And I think when we talk about company culture, it also is, you know, how we treat ourselves. <laughs> like it starts with how we treat ourselves. And like, if you're the kind of boss who's going to take time in their day to work out and have that self-care, then you're, you're going to model that behavior for your employees and everyone's going to end up healthier mentally and physically for it. Exactly. Exactly. And also you as the boss, you as the leader, whether you're a leader of one or whether you're a leader of 30 or 40, you know, I think helping your team guard their time. You know, I have employees who love their days off and I have employees who hate their days off. You know, we make everyone take Mondays off. And I say make because for some of the team, it literally, I mean, I would almost have to like go to their house and take away their phone and their laptop from them because they they, even though they're strictly instructed not to look at Slack or not to, you know, they're not supposed to look at the email stuff. They, they have that reflexive thing that you're talking about. And so that's something that Monday's off is something that we've recently started. And as a leader, you have to be reinforcing that. Don't drop a Slack line to somebody or a message. Hey, just remind me on Tuesday. (laughs) that's, That's a dangerous, dangerous place to play in and leading you know, from the bottom, from the top, from the middle means that you need to make sure that you're supporting your team and doing that, not giving them avenues to like escape taking personal time. So I did drop a little teaser at the beginning that said you've been working on something and I want you to tell, tell the folks what you've got coming up. Cause it's, it's major and I've never, I haven't heard of anything like it. And so I want you to shout it out. Oh dear. What? Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. You set me up. Um, I let's see here. So I'm working on a couple of different things. First, I'm working on a a course all about hiring and company culture. Yeah, um, I'm clapping for you over here, but not on the mic, so that's annoying. Because <laughs> <laughs> because uh, editors, you know, um, exactly, exactly. But I I'm working on this course because I've seen negative culture play out in not only my own in you know uh, my own company and had to course correct. I've seen it play out in other people's companies. I've been a part of organizations where I hired hundreds of people and just the leadership above me was very, very toxic and it was hard for me to play inside of that. And so we've seen this played out well. I've seen it play out horribly. 
you know, I've studied companies like Nordstrom in college and I've worked for Trader Joe's and, you know, so I've seen a number of different ends of the spectrum and I'm taking that combined with years of experience hiring and interviewing thousands of people uh, for my staffing company, even for the company we have now, we have over 30 employees and there is a sense of hiring that is almost an art, but when you break it down, it really becomes very much a science. And Renee, you said it very well in the beginning. There is a layer of hiring the right person, but there is definitely the maintenance. And you can't just hire the right person and say, oh, great, I hired the right person. I'm just going to wash my hands of this and step away and they're going to kill it. <laughs> right. They're no. fine on their own. It, yeah. Exactly. You can't, no. you can't do that. And so this hiring course, um, I'm working on downloads and kind of finishing some of that up right now. I'm going to have a couple of different trainings. It is going to be a full-length course, and I'm really excited about it because I'm also speaking on a number of different stages this year, just sharing with people how powerful hiring done right is and culture done right. And I'm really hoping that more businesses, especially businesses in our industry where it's a lot of times it's solopreneurs. It's one, two, three, five person, 10 person teams. I mean, these are small teams and every single person often wears multiple hats and every single person really, really, really matters. And we have a huge opportunity here to really elevate our industry if we're able to touch the lives of each of the people that we work with. So I'm Jazz. I'm super pumped about it. And thank you for, thank you for letting me share. Of course. By the time this episode airs, you guys, the course is going to be out. So I will link um, in the show notes to where you can find the course. And also, Jonathan, you're going to be on stage at CaterSource this year, right? That is correct. I will be on, on stage. I believe I'm speaking on Wednesday. I think I'm on the 4th. Um, and I am, I'm so excited. It's my first time speaking on a kind of an official wedding industry stage, although I have done all sorts of different other smaller speaking engagements at colleges and things like that. But I'm really, really excited for this opportunity really just excited to see how people take some of the information and kind of the, I guess the mistakes, honestly, that I've made yeah, and yeah. how they apply it to their businesses and the feedback. It's, it's really exciting. And I really hope it'll change a lot of businesses. Oh, I know that it will. And I'm so excited you're going to be speaking at Cater Source. I, I just think teaching live from stage is the most gratifying thing that at least that I, that I do, because you really get to see people receive information in real time. And sometimes uh, I'll tell you last year at TSC Cater Source in Miami, I, I think I taught the first day, I think. Yeah, it must have been the first day. And by the end of the week, I had someone come up to me and say like, hey, I was at your session on Monday and the thing that you taught, we've already started to implement and it's working and thank you. And it was such an amazing experience because uh -huh. So many times, like, you know, I teach online and I have this podcast, but you don't get the feedback right away from people like you do at a conference. And so I'm so psyched that you're going to be having that that feedback loop um, and just the energy of, of being at a conference is always so amazing. So congratulations on CaterSource. I'll be at the special event, which is co-located, but and obviously things are happening at the same time. But hopefully I'll see you there. See you I around. Absolutely, absolutely see you. And thank you so much for supporting me and I mean really a trailblazer in so many ways for me. I really oh, look up to you. what you've done here with the podcast and I, I think it's I think when someone does a great job in showing up authentically and helping push this industry forward, it's it's a huge it's a huge thing. It's a huge benefit. Um our industry's so unique in a lot of different ways and you know we serve people on some of the most important times and key points in their lives. And so I, I just so appreciate everything that you do. Renee, oh, and thank you. 
That's very sweet. I appreciate all of that. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here. Friends, you know what I'm going to say because I say it every week. You could say it with me if you want. Thank you for spending your time with us because I know your time is the one thing that you cannot make any more of. And so I value it greatly that you've shared it with us. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.